It's oh, it does. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So I am going to just repeat it because I did hit record again, just to make sure we're recording this because we do like this on our video libraries. So all of our agents, if you've missed career development, we do try to record them. So that way you can always go back and revisit the ones that you liked or the ones that you missed. Uh, great content in our video library. I love that Stephen got us uh, recording them. So welcome to Co our Cobalt Banker uh, Career Development, uh, February the 4th. And today we're continuing our listing series on how to get listings. Uh, today we have two panelists that are going to talk about what they do as far as their presentation, what materials do they bring? How do they present? We talked about doing pre-qualifications before pre-qualifying your sellers before you even get through the door. That's very important. So you know how to make your presentation. And without further ado, we have two panelists. The first one is Melinda Ball and she is going to be first and she will, uh, I don't know if she wants to share a screen. We, I can change the host over. And then after that, our uh, very own Susan Reichel is going to share. So without further delay, Melinda, I'm going to let you take over. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. If haven't met me, I'm Melinda Ball. I have been in the business 29 years. I'm a social worker in Maryland, Virginia, and West Virginia. Um, so I've been around a long time. I've been with Cobalt Banker for 20 years, at least. Um, but anyway, I, Sheila asked me at the last minute to sit in with you guys today, and I don't have anything that I'm going to share, my, need to share my screen for. Uh, but I do want to just give you a, a quick overview of my listing process. Um, I think many of us that have been in the business for a long time probably should be getting a lot of repeat business. That business obviously is going to be handled differently than, or can be handled, handled differently than if you are um, meeting somebody for the first time. So I'm going to talk more about the new client and what I would do with them. Um, so Sheila talked about qualifying the, the seller. I do do a lot of that. I actually have a document called a client qualifier. You all probably have something similar in your arsenal or something that Sheila has provided via one of your classes through Cobalt Banker. Um, and it basically has a list of general questions to ask someone that's considering selling their house to check their temperature on what their motivation is and, you know, what they're trying to do. But um, from there, uh, basically that's going to be a phone call to get that started. I prefer to do a two-step. I There are a lot of people that don't believe in that. And, sorry. <clears throat> but I... Um, it's not always possible. Sometimes you might be competing and you don't have the opportunity to go out twice. But I very much prefer the two-step. I like the uh, scheduling the first meeting. And I tell, I tell them on the phone when I talk to them the first time that um, how I work and that I prefer to do a two-step and that our first appointment is going to be very informal. It's a get-to-know-you get appointment gives me the opportunity to meet with them, to build some rapport with them, and also to be able to see their house. Obviously, we need to see their house to be able to put a proper price on it. At that first meeting, I go through whatever questions I haven't had answered on the client qualifier previously. I go through that list again with them, those questions. Even if they have answered them, I review with them to make sure that I uh, am understanding what they're trying to accomplish. Um, and then we, and, and I always take them to the kitchen table. That's a Floyd Whitman uh, sales technique, take them to your safe island, which I take them to the kitchen table so we can, so I can put my stuff down, number one, and to establish control of the meeting. 
And then from there, we go ahead and go through the house. I take a tremendous amount of notes. Sometimes I might not be writing much of anything on my paper, but I'm writing. Um, I want them to know that I'm listening and that I understand what they're saying and that I'm getting um, a good handle on, any, on of anything that they have done to the house or are going to do or not do. I'm also making my notes of things that I see as I walk through that they may not mention that I feel needs to be addressed. Then we go after that, we go back to the kitchen table, we talk some more, and that is a very laid back, um, relaxed conversation. I want it to be nothing but a relaxed conversation, putting them at ease. Because let's face it, if they don't like you, they're not going to list with you. I don't care what Chotsky's you take for them or what you bring to them or what price you say, if they don't like you, there's nothing you can do about that. So I make sure that I, we have a, a good conversation before we wrap it up and I leave. But during that meeting, that first meeting, I do explain to them what my process is on uh, getting their price together and um, what steps I'm going to take to uh, get them the best um, accurate price that I can. Uh, and most of the time that might be a price range that they're given. I also try to find out what their expectations are as far as pricing, because we know they've all been on Zillow. They all have a price. I probably will have already been on Zillow myself to anticipate what they're going to say. Uh, and then I also absolutely, one of my client qualified questions is, is how much do you owe on your house? Um, I think as a new agent, Sometimes it's more difficult or you feel like it's more difficult to be asking those hard questions. How much do you owe? Are you behind on any payments? Those kinds of things. Um, but you need that information. If you don't have that information, you can't put a good price together for them. So then my second step <coughs> would be to gather all the intel. Um, as I mentioned on another uh, one of our training sessions, uh, Adam Miller and Paula Miller put together an excellent training on preparing the CMA and what all goes into that. So I'm not going to talk a lot about that. I, that's available on our training site. Um, I forget the name of it, Sheila, but you can pipe in. But I personally still do it the old way and go on our dashboard. <laughs> So anyway, there's a video out there that they put together uh, or did. Uh, I think Stephen. I think Stephen emailed it, Melinda. I think Stephen emailed it. Maybe. So for the new people, that's going to be on the training site, uh, and it was a Zoom meeting that was uh, recorded. And it's not called listing anything. I forget what the Price is Right, Sheila. I think it's called. Yes. It's called the Price is Right. That's what it is. Um, but anyway, uh, please, if you haven't watched that, and, and especially if you're new to the company, that's an excellent, or new to the business, it's an excellent tool to use. And I, even after my almost 30 years, I learned um, some things from them. So I, the other thing I want uh, to add is I feel that it's extremely important to take as much stuff as you can to your appointments. There are agents within our company, as I've heard them on some of our trainings, that do not leave behind anything. If they're going on a two-step, they don't leave anything behind on the first meeting. I like to take stuff and leave behind because I want them to remember what I brought and how much stuff I brought for them that looks professional <clears throat> versus that agent that just walked in there and brought maybe nothing or just some MLS sheet printouts. Um, so my first appointment, my folder is stuffed with Cobalt Banker branded items. And most of those items can be found either in desk or in our, on our dashboard at our local Cobalt Banker. Um, and that's another whole training session altogether that we, I think we have recorded as well, Sheila, about ABM and all that stuff. <laughs> Uh, but I think it's important to have your Cobalt Banker folders. If you don't have any of those, please check with your managers about where you can order those from. 
and all of this stuff that you can stuff inside of that. I do take the generic um, Coldwell Banker listing presentation. Um, I give them a copy of that on the first appointment. I take them a, my generic marketing plan, but if I try to make it seem, if you will, that there's going to be a more customized one for them once I've, after I've been to the house. So when I come back on the second appointment, I will have something more direct. Step one, this is what's going to happen with the marketing. Step two, step three, and what I'm going to do for them for their particular house. I think it's important to customize so they think that you're doing something uh, specific to their property. And a lot of times we do need to do something specific based on the type of property it is. Uh, <clears throat> so the more personalized stuff would be in the second step. And that's when I present the pricing presentation, which is the CMA, and all of the uh, stuff that goes along with that. I do use the Cobalt Banker Buyer Locator. Um, I think that one is a very important piece to have in your arsenal. It is specific to the property, and it also is your guide for your marketing, where you're going to market to. Um, again, if you haven't aren't familiar with that, that is also on desk, and um, it's kind of self-explanatory but it's called the CB uh, Buyer Locator. So Sheila, I don't know what else you want me to add. Anything else? I think open it up right now while you while things are maybe fresh on all the agents' minds. If you have questions for Melinda, now's a great time to do, to ask them and you can ask later. That was awesome, Melinda. Stacy Blahuda. <clears throat> Hey, Paula, does anybody have questions for Melinda? I was just going to add, I can't remember if it was Melinda or Tracy, but we did a presentation to this. And Melinda, was it you that had the list asking for the, uh, the septic and the plat, HOA information? Okay, she's nodding yes. Yes, and actually anybody that takes the, Outlist Outlast, that is actually in your pre-qualification. Those are the things, and I don't know, Melinda, if you want to share this also, if you do this and if Susan does this. So in the class, talking about pre-qualification, before you actually go there uh, for, if you're doing the first, first step or two step, depending, but you send them something asking them, this is what I need. Please have this all together. You do that. So I do have a, um, on the first appointment, I do give them the list of items that I'm going to need. <clears throat> so plat, covenants and restrictions, um, utility bills, uh, key. I make sure I throw in there that we're going to need an extra key because I, I go in there, if it's a listing that I want, then and there's a difference. There might be a listing you go on that you don't really want. So <laughs> I go in very assumptive that I'm going to get it. I'm not going in there feeling like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to get this or not. I go in there with the assumption that I'm getting the listing. So the whole conversation with them is as if I've already gotten the listing. So Melinda, Melinda where, where do you get your marketing plan from? I mean, now that now that we don't have e-marketing, I'm not sure. I have a marketing plan that I've put together from uh, numerous uh, national trainers. I think the one that I have now came from um, Tom Ferry. Uh, I do. I will share. I can send everyone my copy of my client qualifier and I just put together <clears throat> a couple banker branded uh, list of items that uh, a list for, for them to fill out with the utility information I don't mind sharing that and I don't mind sharing the um, the uh, marketing plan the generic marketing plan that I have Love you, girlfriend. 
Well, so I'm Sheila, Sheila will need to remind me to send that out or Michael. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking a Tom Ferry class at one o'clock today. Tom <clears throat> Ferry is off. Uh, uh, is awesome. Um, so I'll see what else I have that's generic and it's not branded to me that I can, I don't mind sharing my stuff with you guys. I mean, we're all in this together. Um, I think I want to point out Paula has always been very proactive in sharing her marketing stuff and their listing stuff and whatever else they have. I feel the same way. I feel like it makes us all better. I want us all to look professional when we go out. I certainly don't want somebody that's as many years as, as me or Paula going out and we've got this huge arsenal of stuff and then we've got a brand new agent that goes out and they have maybe three or four things because they didn't know about all the other stuff. So we are very, our whole company, I believe, is very good about sharing everything that we have and we want everybody to look professional. I want you to make me look good when you go out. So <laughs> that's <laughs> philosophy. I don't want somebody to say, well, so-and-so from CB Premier came over to our neighbor's house and they didn't bring anything and here you are with all this stuff. So I want to make sure that everybody has everything they need to work with and we're always happy to share and I'll send out whatever I can to you guys. Um, but I do, I do one other thing I just want to add before we move on to the next person is that <clears throat> there is a free version of Canva, C-A-N-V-A, and you go to canva.com. There's a free version and there's a paid version. I currently am only using the uh, free version. But I'm probably going to get the, uh, the subscription because it's got a lot more things that you can do with it. But I think it's been mentioned on some of our other calls, but you can really make some beautiful covers that look very professional for your um, presentations from Canva. And I know that uh, Andrea will do some of that stuff, but let's face it, she's got company stuff to do. And if we all are asking her to do marketing pieces for us, she's not going to be able to work on the company stuff. So it's always nice to know how to do it yourself so you can do something <laughs> if you need to. Uh the other thing I have in my home arsenal now is I got a very nice new printer that does beautiful color. And if anybody wants information on that, please email me and I'll send that to you. And we also bought a binder to bind our presentations, which was very inexpensive from Amazon. So I am, we are stepping it, stepping it up this year and making sure that all of our stuff that we take out with us when we leave our house and go meet with a client is professional looking it's not half printed and discolored and lines through it and all of that stuff we we'll want it to look like it's come from the an actual printer that's, that's printer. very good stuff the one the one thing i want to say about canva i'm glad you brought that up and this is good news on the outlast outlast nicole uses canva and she has the paid version so that she was asked if she would do a training. So I'm going to get together with her, find a time that's good for everybody. And, and you, everybody can put in the chat what times I'm thinking Thursdays seems to be okay. And if we even did it right after career development, but uh, she is going to do a training and I could put a zoom together and she's going to teach people how to use uh, the different um, features in Canva if they'd like. Was that because I call so much ruckus over a postcard and a flyer? <laughs> no, I, actually, that was brought I'm up. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm used to calling Mandy and saying, hey, Mandy, I need this. <laughs> it's all good. Super easy. I mean, um, somebody asked for help making letterhead, and I, I literally made professional letterhead for them, and I think it took me like six minutes yesterday. <laughs> so. Okay. so we're a team. We all work together. So uh, Melinda, is there anything else that you'd like to add before Susan? Susan? No, I'm good. Thank you. No, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. I know it was the last minute. Uh, so thank you very much. Thank you, Melinda. So, and our next uh, panelist is uh, Susan Reichel. So Susan, take it away. 
Hi, everybody. How's it going? Um, so for starters, everything Melinda said, 100% accurate. I mean, she's uh, she's been doing this for a long time. She knows what she's doing. So I'm just going to add to what she said because that's it's all good stuff. Um, what I would like to talk about, and I hope it's okay, Michael and Sheila, let me know if you want me to change tax or whatever, but um, this business and especially in this market, we're, it's a relationship business. And um, so I'd like to focus on the relationship part of it, if that's okay, mm-hmm. um, in, in how you build rapport and that kind of thing. Melinda's been doing it for forever. She probably has a great referral network. She's, you know, so when you're new, as she mentioned earlier, um, you're not always going into situations where you know the people and that kind of thing. So building um, trust right off the bat and a good relationship right off the bat is super important. Um, So I'll just start with what I do when I'm first beginning, other than getting paperwork together and all of that for new people, when I know the person or like, for instance, Michael um, sent me a referral. He went with me to the listing appointment. And I feel that those are much more casual because I don't like when two people come in and they're sort of like, here's everything right in their face, that kind of thing. So in those situations, I like to step back a little bit, have a general, you know, have a very good idea of what the market is and have a general idea of where I think the house will be priced in my mind. Um, But then I wait and see what, like Melinda said, what's going on with the property, where it is, if it's, you know, um, right on a main road, which this one was actually the last one where Michael and I went and those kinds of things um, to make adjustments to the sales price. And in this market, you can be a little overzealous in your pricing because there's such high demand. And it's an opportunity to really help your people cash out with a much higher amount of money than they probably anticipated. Um, So, but to get back to the relationship part of it, when I first show up, the most important thing I can tell you, and I think anybody here who's been doing this for a while will tell you, is you have to know your market. You have to know every nuance about it. You have to be able, you don't ever, and we've all been there. And if you say you haven't, you're a liar. We've all been there when we've showed up at a listing appointment and somebody's asked us about a property that's listed or asked us about something that's sold and we had no idea what it was. You know, I'm not, I'll be super vulnerable. It's happened more uh, than once to me and it's embarrassing and it does not build a good trust rapport with your client or your potential client. So it's really, really important to have a a really clear understanding of what's sold. And the only way to do that is to study it daily. So um, getting market updates, set yourself up on on the MLS, troll Zillow, see what's out there for sale by owners. It's a good way to get listings too, by the way, Um, because they put the phone number almost always in there. They hide it in there and it's always hidden in a different area, but they hide it in there. So knowing your market is number one, Um, do comprehensive research. And if you're in, you know, many counties, you need to know every county Um, and you need to things like what's sold, what's listed, what's not selling, because that's often a very good indicator of what the market will not tolerate. Um, And everything will sell at a price. So if it's not selling, it's priced too high for what it offers. And that's a really important component as well. So also know what the list price to sales price ratio is in your county. Um, If you can get even more localized, super, super fabulous. Um, And, and understanding the time on market so that you can set a proper expectation uh, for your, um, for your clients. So for instance, I had um, a listing over, and Paula will know what I'm talking about, but uh, Potomac Crossing in uh, Jefferson County and uh, West Virginia. And when I went in, the very clear thing that I said to him was, what you want to get out of this is, is doable, but it's not going to happen this second. We're not going to get 
five offers like we normally do. I believe it's going to sell, but I believe it's going to take three or four weeks of it being on the market before that buyer comes along that's willing to pay that price. And I believe it'll appraise at that price, but we're going to be at the top of what's sold in here. And, and so him having that expectation and then even better when it played out that way, it, it, it was just really lovely because then he then recommended me to his parents. So I now have a, ref, a sell and a buy referral up in Vermont at half a million dollars on each side of, of those transactions. So it's, you know, setting the proper expectation for your people goes a long way as well in building trust. So, um, so those are the first, um, those are the first things that I do before I go is that I really understand the market. I know how I'm going to be speaking about their specific property. I always drive by the property unless it's super far. And in which case I'll go early and drive around the area. So like um, I have a listing that's going to be coming in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour and a half from my home. And that's about the farthest I'll go um, these days. And um So long ago, it's a family friend and long ago when they decided to sell, it's an estate uh, situation. I went up there, I drove around the property, around the city, all of that for about 30 minutes, just to make sure that I remembered everything that I knew about the town, confirmed what I thought and all of that. So it's just really, really important to to do some drive-bys to to understand exactly what you're selling. And then when you get inside, you can focus on the interior of the house, but knowing the market, the, the exterior, the town, all of that is super, super important. Then... When I first show up to the house, um, I'm assuming you've gotten the appointment. So, um, and we can talk about getting the appointment another time. But um, the when you get the appointment, some of the things that were taught to me when I was a brand new agent, um, I still use and were really, really valuable. Um, and please, Melinda, Sheila, Michael, uh, Paula, anybody who's been doing this for a while, please feel free to jump in uh, with agree or disagree. But I, when I first show up to the property, um, I park in, you know, in the driveway, on the street. I never park on their grass. I never walk on their grass. I never, I'm always ultra respectful of their property. You never know who you're walking into. You never know if they're really, really particular about their property, if they, um, you know, who knows? You just never know. That's all. And that's all that matters. And so I'm always very, very uh, conscientious and respectful of their of their um, own properties. And when I walk up to the door, um, I knock on the door, ring the doorbell, whatever. And I always step back so that they don't feel that I'm in their face. And so it's, I never want to come across as aggressive to them. I want to come across as somebody who's there to help them. So I knock on the door and I step back and I put, if I can, four or five feet. And if I can't do that on the porch, I'll step back onto the sidewalk or the walkway or whatever, just so that they know when they open the door that I'm not coming at them in an aggressive manner. I wait to be invited into the house. I introduce myself. I wait to be invited into the house. And when I go into the house, I find something immediately unique, attractive, neat, special about either them or the property and let them know everybody has something wonderful. Even even if you're walking into a hoarder's thing, you can focus, you can zero in on something that they have that's really special, that's really, you know, neat. (laughs) and um and I always make sure to note that so that they know that you know the whole I come in peace kind of thing and uh and then I'm not carrying a hatchet to scalp them kind of thing so (laughs) the um the so then that's the first thing and then um and this is listing appointment 101 is that I try to take control of the conversation in a very respectful manner by requesting that we go sit at the kitchen table, dining room table, somewhere where I feel it's not going to be too casual, slumping into a sofa and relaxing back puts them in control because you're now getting into their environment. And what you want to do is maintain a professionalism and a, um, um, a very uh, unemotional um, 
rapport with them and going forward. So <clears throat> except for them to have positive feelings about you. So we sit down, we go over. And one of the things I forgot is when I make the appointment, I make sure to ask if all of the decision makers will be there, all of the decision makers. And because you don't want to waste your time going and talking to, you know, one party to find out that the other party doesn't want to sell and the, and, and causing strife and all of that. So I pull the deed or I have somebody else pull the deed, whatever. I look at it, make sure that everybody that's on the deed and is going to have to sign is going to be present. And then there are also other decision makers potentially. So if this is, for instance, we have a seller uh, right now um, that was a buyer before. And when they were purchasing their mother was, is going to be moving in with them. And so their mother needed to be present all of the time because she needed to be happy about where she was moving to. So those kinds of things, you just want to make sure that all of the people that are going to have some kind of input and uh, decision in the process are there so that you can also build a rapport with them and make sure nobody's getting blindsided. Um, the, so once we sit down, we go over all of the, the items. I tell them, I'd like to sit down with you, speak about a few things first. Let's have a seat at the table and uh, and then I'll walk through the house either with you or not with you. That's entirely up to you. Um, I like to walk through without you telling me anything about the house so that I can see it freshly as a buyer, not as somebody who's getting a tour of the property. Um, it helps me put myself in a buyer's position for what might stand out as positive or negative so that I know what to highlight and what to mitigate. Um, so there's that. Once we sit down at the table, um, I'll go over, I'll ask them questions about their timelines. Motivation is the biggest thing, um, especially in this market when we're fighting so hard for listings. You know, they may be having two, three, four other agents coming in. And if you can zero in on their motivation from an emotional level, but professionally, and keep tying them back to that, you're likely to, to win that game uh, against other agents. So um, that would be my, my biggest recommendation is timeline, motivation, and decision makers are your three most important things. Once you um, have figured out why they're moving, when they're moving, and all of that, you can start talking about what your process is. And if you don't know them, you bring paperwork, you bring your listing presentation. Um, sometimes I send it beforehand if I feel like they're very analytical people and want to have um, information beforehand. Sometimes I bring it with me and sometimes I send it after. And that's all based on my initial conversation with them and what I perceive their personality type to be. So I don't think there are some people who do it the same way every time and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, there, and then there are some people who try to feel people out and there's nothing wrong with that. So that you just have to tailor that to your personal business practices. Um, but if I'm showing up with the information, what I tell them is, here's your packet of information. I'm going to go over a lot of this on a high level today. And then I'm going to leave this with you so that you can review it. If you have any questions, we can do a Zoom call. In this day and age, you can do a Zoom call, we can do a phone call, or I can come back and we can sit down together. So I'm willing, I'm sort of a hybrid person. I can do a, a one and done. I can do a two-step process. It just depends on the buyer. I mean, on the seller, excuse me. And um, so then once I've presented that stuff, uh, and sometimes they'll ask me to go over it there, that's fine. I do that. I do make sure to let people know what my time constraints are. So if I have to leave, excuse me, if I have to leave at, if my appointment's at noon and I have to leave at one, then I'll say, it was really important to me to be here today. It was really important to me to sit down with you. I have to let you know in the interest of full disclosure that I must leave by 1 p.m. So if there's anything that's left undone, then, um, then we'll revisit it later today. The reason that I do that is because I want them to know that I'll honor their time also in the future and that, that I'll do what I say I'll do. So it's a great way, even if I don't have anywhere to go, I will often do that just so that they understand that, that their time is valuable to me 
and that I'm going to stay on task for them. So I think it's really, really important. Now, if you're getting a warm referral, somebody's bringing you, somebody's referred you, and you know they're going to go with you, it's a very different ball game. And I can go into that another time with anybody who wants to know. But this is just more for cold, uh, cold meetings. <laughs> so um, then we go through all of the paperwork and all of that. Then I walk around with them and I often make notes on my phone or I walk around without them. Usually they go with me, but I ask them to not give me input on anything. I may ask, I'm, I set the expectation again, setting expectations is huge uh, with your clients. People will often allow you much more leeway and much more latitude. If you are, if they know what to expect. So if I say, I'm going to walk through the house and I'm going to make notes and I don't want you to be alarmed about the, my note taking, it's not all negative. It's, you know, oftentimes I'm writing down notes to myself for what, how I'm going to accent the house, how I'm going to make your house stand out. So my notes are not, are not meant to be a litany of, of things that are wrong with your property. And people, you can see them physically just sort of, okay, you know, and, they, and, and I'm not worried about if you've got laundry on the floor, I'm not worried about if there are dust bunnies. I'm just here to walk through as a buyer and then give you my professional opinion on what I think our strengths and, and opportunities for improvement are. So then we walk through and um, I don't take a ton of time, um, mostly because I don't, I don't want to overwhelm them. So, you know, sometimes this is the first time they've sold in years. Uh, sometimes they're really anxious about selling. You just don't know where people are mentally. So I will often um, just do sort of a, a surface thing. And then I'll ask to come back once I have that listing agreement. I'll, I'll you know, say, I'd like to come back you know, another day when things aren't, when we aren't going over so many things and, uh, and just walk through and make sure I haven't missed anything. And, uh, and so we walk through, I make notes, we sit down, I talk about at a high level, um, very general level, what I believe uh, will be assets in selling their home. And I usually sandwich it. So I'll talk about um, what's wonderful, what's not so wonderful, and again, what's wonderful. So that they, we start the conversation and end that portion of the conversation on a positive note. Um, and that goes a really long way in building a great rapport with people. So, um, you know, perception is reality. So if they perceive you as being a friend and complimentary and on their side, that's, you know, you, that's half the game. So, um, the after we've gone over everything, I asked them one of the best questions that somebody taught me was, and it always stops people in their tracks, is to say, once we've gone over everything, is to say, okay, now is there anything you wish that I would have asked you that I didn't? And they're always like, well, that's a great question. Like, I know because somebody taught it to me. Thank God. <laughs> So, so, and they'll often say something, you know, and it might be relatively inconsequential or it may be huge and I've missed it. So it's a really great question to ask at the end. Um, and then I'll, once they've said that, then I'll say, okay, I think I'm done with my questions. I think that I'm done with gathering the information that I need up to this point. I'm now going to go back and adjust um, the, the comparables that I've, um, prematurely, uh, pulled just in case to make sure that they reflect your property. And I'll talk a little bit about what I think will add value. And then I'll talk a little bit about what I think will take value away. And then again, will add value and, and I'll give them a general range for where I think we could, uh, sell their price. Um, the, and these days I'll be at the top of that range because we're in a market right now where we're getting five, six, seven, ten offers, and the market is tolerating that. If we were in a buyer's market, we would be on the low end of the range so that we could capture as many people as possible to go into the property. Um, you know, if I think it's going to sell at 270, I'd be in a in a buyer's market, I would be pricing it at 265. And so that we get so many people in there and hopefully we can get some kind of a bidding war because we've underpriced it slightly. 
And, um, and then in this market, you can really push, push your limits. Um, you do have to be careful of appraisals though. So you have to set that expectation for your, uh, for your sellers as well. The appraisal is a big deal. Fortunately, a lot of the appraisals are coming back much better now. I'm sure I'm not telling anybody anything they haven't seen because the comparables have had a chance to catch up now. Um, but we are still seeing some, some appraisal issues. Um, and then I just leave, I find some way to leave on a fun note, you know, like my lockbox code. I, oh, I always show up with a sign and a lockbox and, and a listing agreement or the promise of a listing agreement coming in the email. Um, I do always go in with the intention that I'm getting the listing. Um, and, and then the only way that I would go in with the intention of not getting the listing is if it's maybe pushing my um, travel boundaries and maybe I'm going to refer it out if I perceive that they're going to be a very difficult seller, you know, something I get caught by surprise. And quite frankly, I don't want to deal with that negativity. I may just say, you know, and I think, I think that I'm not quite the right agent for you. And I think I know who exactly who is. And I, with your permission, I'd like to refer you to them. And that's, and, and people usually are not upset about that. They'll say, why, why do you think that? Well, I think that this is a little far for me. I feel like I can't be here. And if they're really close, I'll just say, you know, this is a very busy time for me. Um, oftentimes, um, cause I don't want to offend them and I don't want to attack them, but if I feel like our personalities aren't going to mesh, then I'll just blame it on something personal. I'll just say, you know, it's just, Right now, it's not a time in my life when I think that I can give you the attention that you deserve. And usually people just, they're fine with that. Um, but I do always go with the intention of getting it. And my lockbox codes are fun, F-U-N. So, <laughs> and I always end that way. And I say, you know, because it's fun to sell with us, you know, we're going to have a great time, get you what you need and get you onto your next adventure. And, um, and, and then I leave. And so that's it. And then whatever happens after that happens. But, um, but that is the bulk of, of how I go and try to get listings. Excellent. Does anybody have any questions? Now's a good time to ask either Melinda or Susan, any questions that you have? Or comments, constructive criticism. Or, so, or something. <laughs> One thing I haven't heard uh, and I, teach this in a class, if you have the opportunity, if it's not like an hour and a half away that you have to go to the property, if you have the ability to, and you know you're going, you've done your prequel on the phone, you've made the appointment, I would do a marketing proposal sheet uh, in front of everything. I'd run by the house or the property and I'd take some pictures and I actually use my uh, publisher and I would put their home on it. And I'd say marketing proposal for, and I'd have their name. I'd have some, a couple of snapshots of their picture or their home that I put there and uh, prepared by Sheila Jenkins at the time. And then not to be shared with any other agent or whatever. So I put a little packet already done. And every single time you lay that down and they see it, you're not even showing it to them. They'll say, Oh, is that my house? Where'd you get that? They already know that you've taken the time to put all of this together. No other agent is going to do that. And many times that got a listing just because you did that little extra step that nobody else did. Google Maps is good too, because you can get the street view now. So it's really nice. You can, you go in, you search for the address, click on street view, and you can actually do a screenshot of it if you don't have time beforehand to drive the, the neighborhood mm -hmm. and you can still get that personal thing. Cause I agree, Sheila, I think that that's a great thing, but if you don't, if you're going to be traveling far or you don't have time to go and, and view it first, you can at least grab a snapshot that way. And you can get a couple of different angles too, which is, is nice. I'm just waiting for anybody else. If Michael, do you have, I can always talk about listings. I'm not going to say anymore. Yeah, I, um, I've actually I've been with uh, Susan on two and uh, the one, she did something that I wouldn't have even thought of because she has a little bit of an interior design background. Uh, we were oh, at yeah, a girl that I've known since the sixth grade and she had this big dining room table and Susan's like, hey, you know what? 
if you took the leaf out of that, we'd still have the table here and it would make the room look so much bigger. And it made a huge difference. And uh, yeah, Tammy got her house under contract in I think about three weeks, give or take. And she just- um, She got top dollar, top dollar. Like Yeah, Susan's price was a little higher than what what mine was and Susan got the price. So yay. Yeah, she walked away with almost 50K more than she thought she was going to walk away with because of the market now. It was amazing. But we did drop it very quickly because we didn't quite get the price that we listed at. But I could see, you know, my idea was if we don't have any, you know, much activity or any offers within the first 10, I think it was 10 days, we have to drop the price. And even now, I don't even wait 10 days because the market's so nutty. Um, you know, if by the first weekend we haven't gotten an offer or whatever, I know we're way out of sync and we have to drop it. Um, so I prepare people that we are looking to get top dollar for them, but that this is where I expect the property to sell. I'm willing to go a little bit higher only in this market. And that if that doesn't happen right away, we have to drop quickly. And, and, uh, and that's been a really great strategy in this market. Normally, not such a good strategy. <laughs> yeah, I, I just uh, did a price reduction on a property that's been only on the market for 10 days. Mm-hmm. 20 showings, yeah. no offers. And in this market, we must have missed the price. So we've made a price reduction and we've had three showings set up that day, you know, after the price reduction. So, right. yep. And on NAR says that for staging a home, if you stage a home or you declutter it and pre- it's presented well, then you are six to 10%, your sale price is gonna be six to 10% higher than if you did not. And, you're, and the likelihood of getting an offer faster. Uh, though, if anybody's on here that actually was on the Outlist Outlast, what was one of the things we talked about that you can do as you go through the home? What can you bring with you to help identify the things that they need to go ahead and pack up? Pictures. Anything that personalizes the house. Little posty notes, the little tiny hot pink posty notes. Uh, You can mm -hmm. say, okay, so what we're gonna do as we go through the home, we're gonna look at it through buyer's eyes and, and pretend you're a buyer and stop at each of the rooms. So you're, you're taking a lot of information, um, information about the property and what it has, but also at the same time going through it, you can let them know these little posty notes, what we're gonna do is we are going to make the home where people can come in and feel and make it their home. You know, And we won't even get into all the other training and all the other stuff, but you can take the little post-it note, say, as we go through, uh, I'm going to go ahead and put these post-it notes on the things that you could go ahead and start boxing up and stuff. So when we come back, then it's going to clear it up. And usually if you do it that way, it's very visual to them and they're still thinking and you've left your trail that you've been there. They're going to walk through their house and they're going to keep thinking about you too. Oh, that makes sense. I probably ought to get rid of that, you know, and they're not going to think about it unless you make it visible. So those little bitty tiny posting notes is a hot pink. It's going to stick out. One of the other things Michael had talked about, you know, the table thing. I don't know how much time we have. So feel free to tell me to shut oh, up at any point. Okay. Okay. Um, so the other thing that I do when I'm walking through and doing things like what Michael said about the table and that kind of thing, I've done interior design and staging, um, in the, in the past. And so, um, often what I'll say is you're moving anyway. Why don't you just pack up some of this stuff, find one room and there's, nobody's going to be upset if there are boxes in a room, as long as it's all neat and tidy and all of that, start packing. Now you're going to ease your burden later. And you're going to make your house more marketable. And that the goal is to make your house look like a really sassy hotel room. Nothing, nothing personal, nothing, um, nothing that's going to make people picture your life in the house. You want them to picture their life and their furniture and their things. So you want it to be very neutral and not, um, not indicative. Indicative, indicative, indicative of um, 
of how of their hobbies of their interests of their family of their decorating style you want very neutral very current if you can um you know valances on the windows come off you know curtains that are a specific taste come off replace them with just plain shears those are super cheap you can get them at big lots for like five bucks a panel and you can get a curtain rod for like four dollars I mean and nobody knows that they're plastic and cheap they just sit up there you know those kinds of things so there's a lot you can do and if anybody ever wants to ask me and wants to walk with me through you know have a house on video and and ask me to walk through it in this time and um, I'd be happy to do that you know it's it's there's there's so much that you can do to make people when they walk in to go oh I have to buy this place you know, it, it, even if it's not checking all their boxes, you can you can appeal to them on a, a, a visceral level that will make them really, really want the house. So um, there's there's just so much you can do and there's so much to go into. And if you ever want to do a webinar about staging, I'd be happy, happy to do that. It's a lot of fun. I would do it all the time if I could make as much money as real estate. <laughs> but uh, but so that's it. Thank you. Very, very good points. For anybody that would like to reach out if you, afterwards you think of questions for Melinda or Susan, uh, reach out to them, shoot them an email. I know that they'll be happy to assist in any way. And again, this is being recorded. So for those that was not able to come on or you forgot some of the things that Melinda or Susan talked about, feel free. I did put the link. It's uh, training.premiermove.com is our website, our training website. And that is in the chat for those that want to go on and see all of our recordings. And I jumped on late. I do want to say thank you, Michael, for introducing all of our new associates. We're so happy to have you. And thank you each and everyone for coming on today and go out and get some listings. The name hey, of everybody. It's a Sarah sighting. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Oh, Sarah! <laughs> yeah, I know in West Virginia, we pulled the numbers. We had a better January than we did last 